Dad, are you still doing that lame podcast with your loser friends? You are now listening to Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Good evening, and welcome to Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Random topics, unrehearsed conversation, quality reviews. My name is Michael Hodgins, and with me, as always, is uh, Mr. Bo Schwartz. Uh, hello, Mike, and hello, GBB listeners. And, of course, uh, Crofton Steers. Hello, Michael and Bo, and all the listeners of our podcast. Hi, Crofton. Hello. Hi. How are you guys doing this fine uh, evening? I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, not too bad of a Monday for me. Um, feeling limber, feeling stretched, ready to do a podcast. Crofton, how are you doing? I just ate an entire bag of gummy bears. Side, sort that's, of. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so does that does the gummy bears help you get in the zone for reviewing a random topic? Well, I think in the short term they will give me an energy boost in which I will feel better and deliver a exemplary performance in terms of reviewing a topic and then about midway through when we come close to delivering our verdicts i will probably taper off and then need a nap but first you'll have a stomach ache and a a very horrible visit to the washroom probably you know it's (laughs) that's one thing i I feel pretty thankful i'm not into candy never really have been but i feel like kind of thankful for that you know i got my vices things i like you know junk food that i like but it's definitely not candy anything like sugar-based i'm just like blah I, I just could take it or leave it wow look who's snobby against candy candy's good yeah i'm an anti i'm a i'm a salty <laughs> i like the chips you know i'm big on the chi- those are that's my weakness hey speaking of vices um maybe we should check in on your smoking cessation progress <laughs> Watch brought to you by cigarettes. Give me answer <laughs> since forever. Thank you for the assist, there, buddy. Um, yeah, so this is Smoke Watch, and uh, we haven't done one in a little while. So this is basically where Crofton and Mike uh, give me crap for being a smoker and trying yeah, to get me quit to quit. Yet or what? Um, so, well, yeah. I mean, okay. So I haven't had a cigarette since the first week of May. So I think that makes it like three months, roughly, that I haven't had a cigarette. Um, I am using the nicotine replacement therapy of e-cigarettes, and I'm down to nine milligrams. And I actually haven't been smoking all that much in the in the vapor, so I'm pretty much almost there. I think at this point I'm ready to actually start making efforts to just not like to go a day without inhaling any of the vapor and being done with it. So yeah, feeling feeling fantastic. Um, I've been biking more as a result and feeling like I can go out and get exercise, and I've dropped 15 pounds. So quitting smoking. Um, I'm. I want to be a spokesperson for this stuff because it's worked out really well. And that's to check in on Smoke Watch. <laughs> awesome! You should be proud of yourself. That's it's it's, uh, it's it is a big accomplishment so far. Yeah. And it also it debunks a bit that myth of like gaining weight. You know, you did the opposite. You lost. You know, you lost weight. People say they quit smoking and they put on a ton of weight or whatever. Yeah. But. Well, I've been wanting to lose weight before quitting smoking, but it's so demotivational. When you're a smoker, like, and you're, I mean, you guys have seen me play frisbee games or whatever back when I was smoking, and then I'd be like, okay, it's halftime, time for a cigarette, and you guys would all laugh because we're all like out of breath, and I'm like, fuck, I, I need my cigarette, and I'm so I'm smoking up a storm, and it's just like, it keeps you, you know, quite literally keeps you from being effective at uh, 
physical exercise. So um, <laughs> that's, that's I feel good. like I can do the stuff now and enjoy it. So yeah, it's awesome. Keep it up. Maybe we'll do another check in in a few months to make sure you haven't fallen off the wagon again. Yeah, no, I that was the point of doing this was just to put myself out there so I would own the fact that you know my attempts at quitting were just sort of in secret by myself so if i failed it wouldn't matter but that i'd have to shame myself publicly and so it's just a, another little thing to help me do that and i'm thankful for you guys and the listeners for allowing me that privilege just yeah. to clarify one little thing uh when you see you're down to nine milligrams or something like that how much is that like how much is in a cigarette well um so the the standard depending on like how much nicotine that in a cigarette depends on how um, what brand you smoke obviously some of them contain more than others um mine was roughly the equivalent of um i want to say 18 milligrams per 1 milliliter of liquid like that would be its conversion into into vapor so i started at that by smoking a milliliter of the e-liquid or vaping a milliliter of the e-liquid a day and now I've gone down to a third, so I'm at nine milli. Um, no, that's not a third. I'm down to half. Sorry, but I, I went down from eighteen to twelve, and then twelve to nine. Oh no, sorry, I'm down to six. It's six, not nine. I get that confused. All right, this is this is getting confusing. You're down though. Yes, I'm down. I've cut down a third, so I'm basically smoking a th- the equivalent of nicotine of a third of a pack a day. But the benefit is that I'm not uh, taking in any any of the other sh- crap that's in cigarettes, like uh, you know formaldehyde, tar, carbon monoxide, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, my mouth was in pain for two weeks when I quit. Um, just slushing off all the smoked flesh in my mouth. Ew, yeah. it's disgusting. Yep. So anyways, uh, things are progressing very well, and I'm looking forward to uh, – I feel like I'm on the home stretch. So Sweet. Yeah. Keep on it. Yeah. All right. So uh, you guys ready to get into a topic? Let's do it. All right. Let's just uh, get it going here. I'm ready here. All right, Mike. Mike. <laughs> so Mike had a baby and both quit smoking. I'm gonna have to do something other than eat this bag of gummy bears. And I wish I had more gummy bears. Uh, uh, this one I find kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> monarchy, the monarchy. Ah, uh, I've actually been talking about this one recently with people. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, mainly, mainly. Okay. Well, let's what context. Um, well, because we're Canadians, right? Yeah, and it's the Queen of England. Yeah, and I kind of feel like um, I'm poorly informed on the subject. So if I rile anybody up who's listening on this, please keep that in mind. But um, <clears throat> I'm just like, what the hell? What the hell does Canada have to do with the goddamn modern? Like, why is Queen Elizabeth on there? Why can't we have Wayne Gretzky on our money? Sorry, I missed the word there. The Queen is like on all of our money, for example, right? Like on a lot of it. A lot of it. All the coinage and, I, and the $20 yeah. bill. And I'm like, put Wayne Gretzky on there or put, I don't know, somebody like relevant to Canada on there. Let Canada have its own identity already. Fuck this monarchy shit. Um, although All I right, think... So, you, so monarchy's bad. No, no, no. <laughs> Your verdict's out of the bag. That's in the context of Canada, but I think the subject is monarchy in general, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, like I've been talking about it a lot because... Um, I've been railing about the fact that the queen's basically on our money and we give a crap about her and we shouldn't bother. Like, you know, I was like, who cares? Well, I mean, it's, I I think it is, it's, the reason it exists in Canada, it's historical context, right? It's like we, we didn't have a revolution to disentangle ourselves from uh, the British crown. We just sort of slowly, we just became part of their commonwealth. We're independent, but part of that is like, oh, well, you know, we're, 
she's the queen and we're a colony of Eng- England. And so that's, it's those vestiges, you know, of that, of, of, of that time. But I mean, like in terms of but, what, but functionally, functionally, the queen has no say in the governance of Canada. She's just literally a figurehead. Right. And, and but monarchy is a, a part of a system of government. In our case, we're under a constitutional monarchy. Um, and uh, there's other there's other crown um, kings and queens uh, still around the world and that and they have they run a a, a form of uh, government that is I I'm not sure if there are any elected kings or queens I I, th- I think by and large the notion runs counter to that and mostly it's heredit monarchies are hereditary not so not that- in Star Wars. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> well, that's, Lucas, thank that's you for clearing true. that up. He's very forward-thinking with his mon- monarchical uh, regimes, but yeah, I, I think you're right. They're hereditary in general. Wasn't that the emperor? No, it was uh, what's her name? Nabu. Remember, she was the like elected princess of Nabu. Oh yeah, I've yeah those. <laughs> yeah, most people have tried to erase that one from their memory, but there you have it. Um, but it, what's funny is when I think of monarchy or or systems of governance in general, it's like I feel like monarchy is a primitive one. I mean, it, in its in its original form, where it's like the king is a boss and it's like an absolute monarchy, and what the king or queen says is the law, whether or not it's arbitrary. Then we have things like the Magna Carta, where like the barons of England or whatever rose up and are like, look, you can't just make you know, summary judgments because you're the king or whatever. And that's like the basis of some kind of law and democracy to some extent. And it's it's like we've been slowly disentangling ourselves from monarchy where someone is the dictator um, and moving towards, uh, uh, you know, states or uh, democratic states. And and so is is having a monarchy still relevant now that we've disentangled ourselves from essentially the dictatorship of a monarch you know, does it serve any purpose as a as a figurehead thing? Well, I, I often I, I wonder about that because um, if the person is not functionally doing anything, then you know the pragmatic person is going to say no. Like it's it's just there's no purpose to it. But we see a lot of times like leaders of countries and people of prominence are generally thought to be. Um, like gateways, like almost not quite salespeople, but they're the doorway into the government. So in a way they represent, you know, if you think of like our prime minister, for example, it's like by no means does he lord over Canada by himself, but he is the person that that is a face that we put to the position and we put that represents the government. And so I think in those types of situations where you have a a symbolic monarchy that, um, that, that, that there's some, you know, that it does something positive for the culture of that community, um, my sense, my answer, my answer to that would be no. But um, maybe, maybe it's important. I don't know. Yeah. Well, see, I I think when you think about it, if you think about the monarchy like a um, like a corporation, and you have like the CEO at the top, and the CEO doesn't doesn't necessarily do too much. I don't know what how it is where you guys work, but 
for us, the biggest boss essentially just delegates to sub bosses and so forth and so on. So in the case of in the case of Canada, we have the Governor General, which is the Queen's representative in Canada. And the governor he or she sort of represents the Queen. So the Queen doesn't have to do shit with regards to Canada, right? So um I, I think that I I think that like where we get into sort of tricky situations is you have something like a status quo that is very workable. In the case of Canada, we have a constitutional monarchy with the House of Commons, Senate, Governor General, all that sort of thing. Everything's been working well for over 100 years and that. And really, um, it's been working well in the context of having a monarch and, and in a way deferring to the monarch at the highest level – that that ever happens, uh, and, and want to, I guess, upend the apple cart, I get, and, and and rebuild what is essentially a completely new system of governance for a country that is doing very well internationally, just for the sake of removing the monarchy. But but it's it's also sort of it's almost just like a waste of resources because if the the governor general does not has no actual power i mean if the government if the prime minister in canada asks the governor general to do something the governor general will generally do it because he's not an elected official he's not representative of the people and this is a democracy so being and the same is true in in britain the the queen will read the speech from the throne or whatever but really it's the prime minister in the house of representatives over there as well who make law and do things so it's like we're just kind of holding them up but they they serve no role in governance other than to kind of look pretty and serve, I guess, as a reminder of the past. So it just seems like a waste of money. I mean, it, to have this person who literally is draped in like riches, uh, especially you know in in England, uh, it's it's like why should the government support these kind of elites who just essentially leech off the uh, leech leech off the people? So are we looking at monarchy? Um in in order to evaluate it like in its current form now or as a form of government not in the sort of not in that sort of hybridized way that we're talking about that seems that might be the exception to the rule like for monarchies around the world today like probably if there are any monarchies in existence they they're not they do not resemble England, no, like. Um, well, no. So I think I think there are there are other uh, constitutional monarchies around. There are ones where the monarch, you know, there is democratic institutions, and I think there there are places where the monarchs have a lot of power still as well. I think Monaco, Denmark. I could be wrong on that one, but yeah, they uh, have a, Denmark has a king and queen. So, a few, so does Sweden. Like a few of them have these kind of, but they, they're not like it's it's. I think similar to England, and they're. Well, Monaco, I don't know about, but um, they sort of take a back seat, and there's like they're just they're just kind of there. Spain as well still has. A, there are a lot but, of Islamic monarchies. The yeah, they, they I think have more power. Some of them yeah. still. But see, it's funny, Mike. Mike, when you said that um, they they just they're beholden to the whims of like the prime minister and all that sort of stuff. It is interesting because they're not technically. Um, they have powers and they have abilities to do things. It's just that um, if they went against, like you said, the elected officials that are demonstrating the will of the people, then there could be you know, dis- 
disgruntlement and uprising against them. And I think right now that the monarchy are essentially, in going back to the British monarchy, essentially a, almost a public relations exercise, and that they they manage their 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 sort of optics. Uh, and there's all these articles right now about Prince George, William and Kate's son, about how he's the, he's a pub PR coup for the. Um, for the the royal family and how how support for the royals is up uh, across the board since his birth. Oh, I'm just like, but what are they PRing for if they have no business? themselves? They have no business other than to remain celebrity or to I, make their country a celebrity. It, it's essentially we've reached the point as a society, um, both in Britain and in Canada and in Australia. In the Aust- in Australia is the country of the Commonwealth, the big three in the. Um, in the Commonwealth that's talking the most about becoming a republic and that lately. Uh, but we're at the point where people are sort of like, what's the deal with the monarchy anyway? And so really the best that they can hope for is not to ruffle any feathers so that the status quo remains uh, the status quo. And I think if we look at what the benefit of the monarchy is, I think that it it becomes like yeah like when you look at the entire GDP of all these countries really not much and there's even talk about how little money the queen has right now but really what's interesting I I find is that they are a historical sort of it's almost like living history um and and because say Great Britain in particular has had a king and queen for so long um and they're so uh, very much concerned with proper genteelness and like you know their and their own history. I think it would be very difficult for them to get rid of uh, of the the monarchy. The interesting thing too, we talk about this conversation. I'm not sure if either of you guys have thought about it, but I know that at various points when we're we're learning about the history of monarchs and of of, of rulers of you know these kind of kingdoms that they are. Um, that there's an aspect of religion in their roles as well. Like it's, and I don't know that that conversation happens as much today, but it's like, they're the embodiment of church and state where those two things would be separate. But, um, you know, they're, they're not that they're greater than God, but like that they're chosen by God or there's, there's often a religious, um, timber to, to their appointment and to that particular line. I mean, is, does, do you think that still plays a role where people, religious people like to see, like to see monarchies, like because that's God's will or something? I, I think that's become disentangled, but I think that for sure there was a huge historical context. Uh, I mean, talking about like pharaohs or even like ruler of these, the Inca empires was all like appointed by God and uh, in right. Christian states as well. Uh, but I think that that's, that is slowly dis- dissolved as a legitimate thing. I mean, because they were trying to get legitimacy there for the hereditary line to remain in power, because who are you to question God sort of thing. But I don't think that serves, I, I don't really think most people, you know, believe that to be true. But what I have heard is a kind of defense of monarchy in places like England and that, not in, well, England, I guess, so I've heard the context, um, is that it inspires a sort of nationalistic pride that you can't get uh, with someone like something like a president or a prime minister. You can't that, be knighted by a president. Right. Or, or, or like the idea that someone's like for the king and they would put their life out there for this like 
and, and you know, I can kind of understand that at a base level. I think a lot of there there are strong instincts within us to want to have a leader who we love and support, and uh, you know, there's some sort of base stuff in there for us that this 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 leader and having a, a monarch, someone who's been there since birth, who you've grown up with and they've always been in that position they can be very well loved uh, for example the king um king of thailand extremely well loved by the populace there apparently his son not so well loved. oh i think i saw something on that <laughs> yeah on the Daily Show they're talking, but I, when i was in thailand it was interesting people really really loved the king there were also laws to um you know, punish you if you said bad things about the king. But well. like, <laughs> but, but beyond that, there was a legitimate, like, they thought it was a good, you know, you good guy. You felt it was I, genuine and not forced or socially engineered? I think it was. I think it was fairly genuine. <laughs> There's also a strong culture around it. Like, if you went to see a movie in Thailand, before, before every movie, any movie, like, I saw Rambo 4, <laughs> and before Rambo, uh, there was, like, this... It's like a trailer for the king where they show and, and it just what? like shows him doing stuff it, before every single movie it will play. It's interesting. Oh, God. It must be great to be king. Yeah. Well, but I mean, like, so there there might be a point to that of like it provides this sort of nationalistic bond uh, more so than a republic is able to generate. I suppose so, because there's um, I, when you look at um, I guess America stands as like the stark difference between a monarch monarchic culture because the, it changes hands all the time and the faces change often and you know what i mean like you don't yeah, have yeah, a blood it's, it's a republic for sure yeah. yeah like it's more these um these values that the people stand for that are you can't really draw them like you know like the you, they have the constitution i guess that's always what you hear about with the states is like it's the constitution if there was ever a monarch in the the states it's that piece of paper <laughs> and and you know it's like so they have this this symbol and what we're saying with monarchies is perhaps the family is representative of that culture's character if you were to sort of distill it into a few yeah, people yeah and i think that's why they try to present themselves in that kind of very refined and genteel manner as this kind of projection of but like I mean, let's face it; it's their elites and <laughs> behave as such. Um, one one thing I think, Bo, you were asking this a little bit earlier, and I, I is an interesting question: is that are we looking at monarchy in the current context or in the you know broader sense? Because if you think about it, you know, an absolute monarchy uh, where someone is just the boss and they make all the decisions, you know, there's a lot to be actually said for that. If if you have a just, good, and intelligent ruler right who cares about the people and cares about doing good uh, you know this you, you've heard tell that democracy is messy and i think when we look at especially the united states where it's essentially completely dysfunctional right now um if you had someone who was just the boss and they did a, a really good job as king or queen and cared about the people arguably that's not a bad system of governance but obviously the huge issue is if you have a big jerk, which and there's been a lot of these this, uh, cases of this in history, that yeah. they will just abuse their power. But, you know, what, what do you guys think about it in that sense as a, well, as a governance because, model? Because I think a monarchy will change hands eventually anyways, just maybe on a slower scale. We're like in, you know, again, looking at a democratic state where a president is uh, uh, elected, you know, every four years – you know, if if we don't like what that guy's doing, you know, as a, as a nation, it can in theory change, right? Whereas with a monarch, um, if he's good, then it's great. And if he's, you know, 
a terrible ruler or rules with fear, then, well, too bad. Like, that's, you know, he's appointed by God and you have to just suck it up. And it's probably only ever going to change hands because of a, of warring or because, you know, one eventually dies and the, a brother or a, a son or whatever takes over. Like, someone inherits the throne and they inherit it no matter what their failings are, I think, for the most part, right? Like, uh, Yeah, so, so that's correct. And that's part of the part of the problem, right? Because Mike is right. In in theory, if you had a really great guy who is or girl who was running the country uh, and everything was great, everybody would be happy and wow, monarchy works. But the pro- the problem with that is is that uh, is in my mind, number one is that uh, unless you're electing these kings, then then that king's son or daughter would inherit the throne, and that king's son or daughter would have been brought up in in a certain manner, in in a way that they are surrounded either by luxury or they're not they're not made to live like a common person by any sense uh, of the imagination, and that's going to affect the way that they govern when they become rule ruler, and then their child and and. As the line grows, the more sort of disenfranchised or 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 um, disassociated with the general person uh, the king, the king or queen is. Yeah. And the other the other thing is is that uh, even if you're doing even if the and doing a good job, they might not be doing the job that some of the population want them to do, even though it's a good job. They might choose not to go to war with a country, even though that's probably a good idea. But there's still people in the country that may want them to go to war uh, with, uh, and and they're not being represented, nor are they given a chance to be represented. Their voice is not necessarily heard. So that's another that's another problem because even a king doing a good job is still perhaps not uh, completely representing their subjects. Yeah, I, I, I that yeah, I think the problem with that there is that is is what you stated. The, the problem with monarchies is exactly what you stated there, Crofton, which is just there are people that think you're doing a bad job. Well, then you're the enemy of God, like because I think in a lot of monarchy states. And maybe not modernly, I don't know, but I still think it's implied that your reason for being in power is because it was meant to be, you know, capital M, capital T, capital B. So going against the will of the country, the will of God, you know, in in more religious, in times of more religious fervor, you know, is you can get punished by death or excommunication or all this kind of, all these kinds of things. And um, I feel like the overwhelming majority of the cases is that you go with the people, and then that's how this sort of. I think that's well, it's just it's, how uh, we 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 sit in ignorance, rather than you know say, hey, you know what, we can everything is worthy of review, and and including our most uh, venerated leaders. Yeah, I know that uh, absolutely, and I guess that's the issue with the monarch is that there is no review process. You can't say, oh, you are a jerk. You need to to get out, or, or how can you do that? There. And as it, because it's a hereditary line, I mean, you can almost see why these people who say they're the descendants, their family's been in power or ruling the country for hundreds of years, that they do feel like, oh yes, God has put me here. And it comes, it's that sense, it's a sense of entitlement. And um, 
and with entitlement comes abuses, and we see that all over the place. It's not. It's it just it just kind of makes sense that as you think, oh, I'm I'm better than the other, so why should I do something for for that person? Uh, it, it, so it, I think that it has inherent within it a sense of entitlement. And I mean, the only reason we have we in Canada still have this monarchy, or and in Britain is because of like an uneasy truce that was, you know, you know, the monarchy agreed to relinquish power. In exchange for not being essentially, you know, probably killed or, or run off. Like it was essentially they had to share power. They weren't given an opportunity. There was revolutions happening. I mean, it could go could have gone the way of uh, of France, where essentially they just executed all the monarchs. So <laughs> essentially, if that's what your option was in in England, it's like, well, we should share. We, maybe we should give power to the people, or we'll get all our heads cut off. I mean, really, they got a pretty good deal out of yeah. it. They give up power, and they kept. They kept status, and um, but it's just you know coming back to the current context, is that worth keeping? You know, it just it's it seems it's just this vestige, and they really just amount to celebrities who are just famous for being famous. They don't really do anything. That's true, but at the same time, they are vestiges of you know of history, and I do I do wonder how you know these when she does pass on um depending if charles inherits or if her her uh, grandson inherits and that sort of thing i i wonder how that is going to affect um how people perceive the monarchy or if it's going to accelerate the move away from the monarchy but i do think like in terms of uh, of of cost in terms of historical value and that sort of thing, and a, as well as in, in terms of cultural sort of cachet and what they mean, they still have a worth that I find is not is not necessarily very. I don't I don't find it that costly uh, to maintain uh, to maintain a monarchy, and there are benefits to having having a monarchy. Benefits that we have touched on. Um, so it is, it, you know, it's not cut and dry. They're not just, uh, if you could magically snap your fingers tomorrow and like get, you know, get rid of all the monarchy, but everybody maintains the same mindset that they have now. I think there would be a lot of people who are very upset. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, I mean, there, there would be, but I would even question the value that we like went over and like about the kind of like, I do think they can instill a sort of national pride and that sort of thing. I, I don't personally think that's actually a good thing i think that uh overt nationalism tends to be a bad thing it tends to you know make you perceive the other as worse than you or that you're better than them you know in nationalistic pride like you know taken to extremes that's how fascism arises and so i i don't know like i'm not even sure that their value i've heard the argument that that's a value but i don't see really any practical value for 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 a monarchy aside from reminding us that we used to be under the rule of a dictator yeah, pretty much like I, but, I i'm yeah i'm trying to figure out the value too and but if, if we had good ed- education systems you know that could still be people could still be aware of that yeah and i feel part of it is you know 
I don't feel particularly well educated on the subject. I, they've always they're on my money. They're in our they're they're in our law. I don't exactly know how, but I think when new laws are getting written in, she they have she has to give her permission. But it's like symbolic, and she always gives her permission or yeah, something exactly. like that in the house. Like and it's so it's like well, why have it? Like I feel like and and I'm this is very strictly a case scenario for Canada. I realize, but I'm just like let's form our own cultural identity. We don't need this per like. These, the reason why that we move away from monarchies is because we don't like them. <laughs> like we don't like them, and it's like people have held on to power for for reasons of religion and hoarding money and for um, being smarter than the ignorant masses. Back when you know you you had slaves or serfs or or that kind of thing, where you would lower uh, military power over people and keep them in check. It's like it's absolutely unnecessary, and it goes against everything. All the values that we hold nowadays, which is, you know, we have personal freedoms, we have rights. Um, in order for things to get better, you have to be able to look at them and critique them and, and you know, remove people from power when they're uh, behaving poorly. And, and a lot of people would say, we don't even do that effectively enough. I mean, Rob Ford is still the mayor of Toronto, but yeah. a lot of people think he falls well below the line of performing as a public servant. So right, but I mean, all those things you've outlined, which you know, and those all have been wrenched from the clutches of monarchs through various forms of of revol of well, there have been lots of revolutions, and it's been a slow process towards yeah. that sharing of power. And I, I get that the stability of like so is the next step to just be rid of it completely. Well, I get that the stability of the like because power you don't just take power from people, right? Even. It, we might say the Queen of England doesn't have a lot of power, but she has a lot of power, and you can't just wrench that from her. There's a lot, there's a lot of people invested in that system, and so you know, sudden changes, sudden huge changes like that don't come without their consequences. That nobody is incentivized to change unless you have um, like a, a zealot, you know, like revolution, like zealot uh, fervor to make those changes because of oppressive conditions or whatever, you know. So. I, this is sort of off topic. As you guys know, I, <clears throat> my son, recently born son's name is Ivan. And, of course, it, you hear about Ivan the Terrible. Oh, who was, yeah. <laughs> who was, who was, I looked him up because I'm like, is this a horrible name? He was the first czar of Russia, I, I believe. And uh, the funny thing about that, and again, this is all perspective on monarchy. So he's Ivan the Terrible. But apparently he was well hated by um, the the rest of the aristocracy because but he was apparently well loved by the people and i'm like oh that's interesting and, and so you know his his name likely is drawn from the fact that the other elites of the time had grudges against him but the people thought he was uh, a good a good ruler to some extent though he did kill his son <laughs> and, i mean he has other uh, terrible aspects i, th I think they had a very different view on the way the world worked all that time a long time ago i don't know you know what are, i mean like, are you guys ready to cast yes judgment on this yes yeah um all right so i'm gonna go first i've pretty much laid out everything i have to to say about it already so just to recap i think monarchies are um outdated ways a form of government and i think the world is cluing into the fact that we have a, a much better way of doing things, which involves personal responsibility, which involves public participation, all these good qualities where we don't need one family, one in, in many cases incestuous family in power, making decisions and being out of touch with the common person. Um, I think we like heroes that come from the common 
uh, from the pool of common people who rise up to lead. And um, so I think we're much happier experimenting with this form of government because we do not like we have it perfected or anything than to rely on the wisdom of those appointed by God uh, to help lead us. So I think um, the fact that there are still symbolic monarchies is a slap in the face and insult to the people of those countries, my country included. And so monarchies are bad. And that's what all I got to say about that. Get rid of the Queen, Canada. Yeah, I'm, uh, I had uh, – this is one of these ones where you might, you might think my uh, verdict is obvious. I'm definitely not on the positive side of monarchy. I'm, I'm, I'm flip-flopping between bullshit and bad as as potential verdicts for this. Um, but bullshit's because, you know, as, as I mentioned, we talked about briefly earlier, if you do have like a benevolent ruler who is good, there's it's a lot – cleaner form of governance and and maybe there is something to that and that's why i would just say oh it's sort of bullshitty but i think i have to come down and say that monarchies are bad and and i think that's because i mean in the same way that i'd say dictatorship is bad because essentially what's the difference i mean we've we've uh you know we in, in these sort of constitutional monarchies we've left them there as these figureheads but what purpose does that serve i i don't think any practical or pragmatic one uh, and i think i think it's just one that has served their own family's needs really so i think at this point in time you know i believe in sharing of power i think it's the only way to have um an equitable society and once you have power concentrated in the hands of too few which we still have yeah. in, in our forms it's a bad thing and progress needs to be made so i think we've been making that progress slowly over time and there's still a long way to go but monarchies are certainly well left as a vestige of the past may they remain there so bad <laughs> okay uh, so I'm yeah I'm sort of where Mike was so I wasn't sure if they're bad or or bullshit and what's funny is that I live under monarchy and I don't really have that strong an opinion about it like you guys are all like oh, I don't want this dictator ruling my life uh, they're but, freeloaders but, <laughs> but I, I'm really freedom not, freedom or death Crofton I'm really not. Uh, uh, of that of that mindset, and there is obviously romantic notions attached to the princes and, and and princesses and kings and queens in both fairy tale and and stories uh, that are that you know that's that's always appealing. That on the other hand, that there's there's just been absolute brutal tyranny committed by uh, kings and queens throughout history. And when we talked about organized religion, I had no qualms about going down on the bad side of that. And and there have been many like church versus state, kings declaring themselves popes, popes declaring themselves kings, um, and that going back uh, and forth through time. My verdict is just going to fall down on where I find myself today in a modern monarchy, uh, and that's really that that it's it's sort of like Bo was saying, like form our own cultural identity. I think Canada has a cultural identity. I think part of it involves the monarchy, very small part, um, but I don't see it have any sort of negative bearing on my everyday life, maybe a couple of tax dollars here and there. Uh, it's really nothing that bothers me that that much. And uh, and I, I know some people t- take tremendous joy out of the monarchy. I, I, when I went to England a couple of years in 2012, I did enjoy, you know, touring a lot of these, these museums and different things. 
maybe it doesn't have a place anymore, but it's it's not one that elicits enough passion for me to say it's a wholly negative thing. And I've seen people that very much enjoy it. So I guess I'm going to fall down and just say the monarchy is bullshit. All right, then. We came down pretty hard on those monarchs. Bastards. Damn freeloaders. It's kind of hard. It'd be interesting again to have, like, I don't know, somebody write in or or, or to share. Era of you of positiveness. Every time there's a giant uh, event, like I don't know, a wedding or something or other, they pull out some old chestnut on the news where they where they they in, they interview some lady in some store who's got like every commemorative royal dish, <laughs> dish plate, you know, with all yeah. the different things, and then yeah. and they're just so passionate about it. And there's so many there's so many people that are extremely passionate about the monarchy. In a way, it would be interesting to hear. I feel like it would be similar to people who are passionate about their own organized religion but maybe or about pokemon it'd be it'd be awesome if the queen wrote in she's like hello i have listened to your podcast <laughs> and i think the monarchy is good <laughs> <laughs> you're truly the queen of england <laughs> oh thanks queen everybody i asked around me agrees with it and you're like yes that's because you're the queen oh, she's biased get your opinion means nothing <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's oh, funny because oh, well, all right, yeah, whatever. Well, I was just gonna say, um, so Queen is it Queen Elizabeth? Yeah, Queen Elizabeth II. Queen Elizabeth II. If you're listening and you want to write in that wonderful email, we'd love to read it on the show and share it with our listeners. You can email us at goodbadbull at gmail.com and that goes for all you other listeners too. Don't worry, we won't show preferential treatment to the Queen. Uh, we will also read your messages because you're all equal in our hearts, uh, equally unique. Um, also, if you want to find out more about the show, you can visit our site, goodbadbull.com. There you'll find links to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and and RSS uh, link for any old podcatcher. Um, if you visit those sites and you've heard our show, please leave us a review. Uh, we appreciate that very much. Finally, you can follow us on Twitter at GoodBadBull, and you can like us on Facebook. Check the link on the site. All right, Crofton, if our listeners want to find out more about what you're up to, where can they find you? If they want to follow me and perhaps order from my new line of commemorative plates, uh, they can do so <laughs> at Crofton Steers on Twitter. Oh, man, I can picture the Crofton Steers commemorative plate. I, I want one. <laughs> I actually want one. It's like Crofton. Got to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> I, we need to make like one, and we can raise money for the show by selling commemorative Crofton plates. That'd be awesome. Uh, Mike, if our listeners want to find out more about you, where can they find you? They can find me tweeting my displeasure about the monarchy on at ML, ML Hodgins. All right. And you can find me at Bo Schwartz on the Twitters. All right. Um, yeah, Mike, I was like looking up uh, Naboo uh, during the show. Naboo. Um, and, you know, I have to commend you on your Star Wars trivia. Um, indeed, the humans of Naboo have an electoral monarchy and maintain a peaceful culture that defends education, the arts, environmental protection, and scientific achievements. Sounds like a utopian bullshit. I was going to say, like, Mike, you should move there. No, I mean, it sounds... <laughs> you know what? I was, oh. When we were talking about this, I wanted to say, yeah, I actually like Prince Charles. You know, a lot of people dislike him because the whole infidelity thing but but <laughs> oh, the, the, <laughs> yeah that aside like i've actually a lot of it he's quite like an environmental activist and his sort of views on agricultural systems are are pretty 
interesting and like i find him a pretty smart guy i hope he doesn't bypass his chance to be you know king everyone always says oh he should give it to his son but i'm like i think he should take it but doesn't the feminist side of you feel kind of grody about that wasn't he shitty to princess die well look i don't know i wasn't involved in their relationship i i don't you know he was yeah it's it was an unhappy marriage by the sounds (laughs) and i'm sure he played a role in that i think he was an entitled brat or something yeah sure of course he was but uh whatever i i still don't mind him so much all right, so uh, oh, boring. Mike's verdict on Prince Charles. Bro, Good. Yes, Croft. Hold me again like you did by the lake in Naboo. Oh, Padme. Padme, nothing will get between our love. The Jedi Council doesn't understand me. <laughs> Some of the finest writing ever to appear on the silver screen. It is funny how George Lucas fell off the rails so much.